Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. The Kidley right from the logo. Got it. Oh, but Kidley right. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm. Today we have some news to talk about. Uh, McKinley Wright is one of 69 players who were invited to the NBA Combine. Um, Obviously, that's like a a big step toward getting to the NBA. And uh, we're going to talk about that. You know, there, there isn't too much that needs to be said in terms of like, what he needs to prove. But uh, I did run through and look at where he fits into a bunch of these rankings um, ahead of the draft, you know, with like six weeks to go before the draft. So we're going to run through some of those and uh, it'll probably be a little bit shorter podcast today. Uh, but that is the plan. Real quick, though, before we get into that, uh Want to say a couple more words about the presenting sponsor of this podcast, the Colorado XOs. So, uh, the Colorado XOs are a rugby team based in Glendale, Colorado. They play and practice at the uh, Rugby Town National Training Center um, at Infinity Park, same place as the U.S. National Team. It's a new program um they're they're trying to take athletes from other sports get them into professional rugby so far actually in this first season they've already had three players get um like basically signed to major league rugby um which is like the 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 big rugby league here um finished season five and five uh they have some cool stuff coming up over the summer though there's a rugby town the rugby town sevens tournament um, August 20th through 22nd in Infinity Park. Um, there's like a, a bunch of movies at Infinity Park. Um, like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is the first one, July 12th. Um, it's fun to go outside and watch movies. Uh, so a bunch of cool stuff going on with all that. Uh, also make sure you stay up to date with the DMVR Rugby podcast. Uh, follow the DMVR Rugby Twitter account. And uh, pay attention to these really cool things that are going on. All right, so Kin. Um, like I said, Kin is now uh, going to be participating in the NBA Combine. Um, like I said, there's 69 players who accepted invitations. Um, I just pulled up a news story that has that phrase weird. It says, List who have been invited, 69 players who've been invited, but that can't be right because, like, Jalen Suggs and Cade Cunningham, some of the top picks are not going, and so they're not listed, and they had to have been invited. So, yeah, it's 69 who are going. 
Um, it's gonna it's gonna go from like June twelfth to seventeenth. It's a long combine. I didn't realize that. Um, I usually don't pay too much attention to the NBA combine. Uh, but this year, I mean, we'll definitely be following along because it'll be interesting to see what happens with Ken. Um, there, they say there's like interviews, there's five on five games, and then there's a bunch of drills for like shooting, strength, agility, all that kind of stuff. Um, some of the players might say like, oh, actually, I'm not going to do this part because that's how combines work. They, it's, you know, everybody has different things they need to prove. But yeah, that's kind of what's going on. I think it's in Chicago. It doesn't say here. Oh yeah, it, it is in Chicago. Um, I think that's all the details on the combine. Uh, but obviously that starts here in just a few days. So that's going to be really cool. Um, in terms of what Kin needs to improve upon, again, we've kind of, we've, we talked about this at length. That's kind of the weird thing about these off season podcasts is like, I could spend 30 minutes talking about what Kin needs to improve on. Maybe, but, uh, you know, we've, we've kind of already covered that all through the season, all through like when he announced it. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously it all starts with the three point shooting. If you can knock down your threes, doesn't matter how big you are. I mean, that's the other thing that, that is really going to knock him is just his size. Nobody wants a, a guard who's listed six feet tall. And, you know, we'll see what he measures in at because it might be more like 5'11". Um, I, it's dumb. It's the same thing that happened with Mustafa. And it's the same thing that happens with a bunch of athletes. They just don't fit the the like requirements of teams for players that they're going to draft you know it's again kind of dumb you're gonna miss out on some good players I think that Kin could be successful um even in the NBA just because he he has the game for it like he's he's so smart and he plays basketball in a very controlled way and puts his teammates in a good in good positions there's a lot to like about it and if he does wind up panning out, I'm not going to be all that surprised. At the same time, though, again, there's teams that will just say under six feet tall, we're not interested. You're off the draft board for that. And that's not all the teams, but that's how some approach it. The same way that in the NFL, there are teams that just say, your receiver, you run a four-five-five. 5 well, you're too slow. We only want speed guys. That's the direction of the game. Going to miss out on some good ones, obviously, but – you know, that's that's a strategy that's out there. Um, the question, of course, is how many teams are going to be in on Kin. Um, the way that these players are selected, um, basically all, all of the teams' front offices get to, like, vote on who they want to have um, at the Combine. And obviously, like, whoever does the best, the top 70 or whatever who do the best get invited um, so, I mean, obviously, it, obviously there is interest in McKinley Wright. Again, a list of 69 players, does that mean that there's maybe six guys who declined the invitation who are in front of him as of right now? And really, he's right around number 75 in the country, or in terms of prospects? Yeah, I mean, that's probably what I would guess, but at the same time, you don't even know that he's 69th out of the 69. Um... He's got to be kind of toward the bottom. Let's let's just run through these rankings right now. Um, 
we'll go uh, from the, the the best ones for Ken uh, to the worst ones because you got to pick some order. Um, the the highest ranking I could find, um, and I was really digging through uh, through the entire internet looking for um, player rankings for this draft. Um, Tankathon had him at number forty nine, uh, and that was his peak. Uh, from there, you've got NBA Scouting Live at number sixty one. Hoops Hype has him at seventy two. ESPN has him at ninety seven. And uh, then the other rankings I could find all had him unranked. So the Ringer had a list of the top 30, wasn't ranked in there. Forbes had a list of the top 50, wasn't ranked in there. Uh, Bleach Report, uh, top 60, they didn't have him in that top 60. Uh, CBS Sports didn't have him in their top 75. And then NBA Draft.net didn't have him in the top 100. And so, again, like I'm not super in tune with all of this. Again, I know Kin well, and I know his game well, and I would rank him highly. At the same time, I couldn't tell you anything about most of those guys who are ranked in like the 50s on these lists, and I couldn't tell you whether Kin deserves to be up higher or deserves to be lower or whatever. Um, but what I can say is that based on these these lists that I found. Again, that right around number 75, you know, because, again, those were 49, 61, 72, 97, and then not in the top 30, 50, 60, 75, 100. Right around 75 would probably make the most sense. Obviously, like, what matters, though, is do any of these NBA teams just have a higher grade than anybody else? Um, does, does anybody just see him as, like, a number 30 say like who cares if he's small you know we can players get better at shooting all the time that that's one of those crazy things that that just like changes in sports kind of like in, in football there's the idea that like you can't draft the air raid quarterback and then all of a sudden teams are almost exclusively interested in air raid quarterbacks um in the nba you've kind of had this thing where it was uh well you know if if you can't shoot that you, you don't get better at shooting and that's just straight up not true anymore. Like so many guys get in the, into the league and develop jump shots. Um, and it's been obviously like guys like LeBron is pro probably the most notable because of the way. It's not that he was like a terrible three-point shooter. But once everybody started shooting threes, he became one of the best three-point shooters because it was time to do that. And I think that. I, I think that maybe in the past, part of the reason people said like, you're not just going to become a good three-point shooter. Maybe it was because that wasn't something that people spent all their time on. You know, it wasn't like the way the league is now where you do... I mean, you don't need to be a three-point shooter, but 80% of the time you do. And that other 20%, there's, like, special circumstances. Like, JaVale McGee is seven foot one, has arms that are like disproportionately long compared to the rest of him, even though he's seven foot one and he can jump out of the gym and all those kinds of things. And when you have those traits, then sure there's, there's a place for you. And for JaVale McGee, that place is like fifth or sixth guy off the bench. And if he could shoot, then he'd probably move up to like a, a player who gets on the court. The, the point is, you basically do need to shoot now, and maybe that's why everybody's, like, 
who can't shoot is kind of learning how to shoot because they realize that. Um, and because of that, I think maybe teams do see Kin and say, hey, there's a lot to like here, especially because, you know, with the size, I mean, you worry about a couple things, I guess. But first of all, you worry about the defense. And yeah, you're not going to be able to switch Kin onto somebody who's 6'4", 6'5", 6'6". And, I, and the question, I think, is probably what is that line? You know, can, can he switch on somebody who's six foot three? If he can, then you're you're happy. Um, and he's he is a good defender, especially against like smaller guards. You know, if if you're looking for, I mean, I don't want to say he's like a CP three stopper right now, but because of the the defensive ability he's shown, because of the limitations that he does have have nothing to do with you know, an assignment like stopping CP3, you could see how he could turn into that kind of guy. Again, probably still needs to get even better on defense and that kind of stuff, but he's shown a lot on that end of the court despite the size. Um, and then, obviously, the other place you look for it is offensively when you're under the rim. You know, you're trying to finish. Is he just going to get swatted all the time? It's possible, and that'll be a concern that teams have. But, I mean, I, I do think that there's enough of a background as a three-point shooter where you say, hey, there's we can fix that. And, I mean, I don't even want to use the word fix. We can improve that. We can improve it to the point where he's a threat from the three-point line and teams aren't going to want to leave him open, you know? And if you can do that, then that's probably good enough because of all the other things he can provide in offense. Again, it's kind of hard when you're, you're you're kind of a primary ball handler. Kin was good off the ball, of course, but the, the, the real strength that he provides is running the offense from the point. And teams just, I mean, there's a lot of those guys. There's a lot of those guys. And there's only one ball. And... When you look at him, could he be like a Monte Morris who is a good bench point guard for the Nuggets and he comes in and runs the ship? Yeah, that's possible. But also, if there's two point guards who get in for every team, that means there's just 60 of those jobs out there. And, you know, Monte has one of them, so there's 59 others. Just sticking with the Nuggets, you've got Jamal Murray, so then there's 58 others. And those jobs kind of disappear quickly, um, especially because you have so many different players who are kind of filling that point guard role. Um, you know, Ben Simmons is a point guard, but he's also like a six foot eight or six foot nine or whatever big man. Um, Nikola Jokic, you know, there's you don't need there's there are very few teams that are just desperate for somebody who can handle the ball off the bench um you have to be really good at it and i think that kin is good at it you know me personally again i'm willing to bet on kin but how many of these teams are looking at him as one of the guys who who, who can be that sort of basketball player and that's going to be the, the big question at the end of the day you know, it just takes one team to draft him. So, I don't know. I guess you, you kind of just have to wait and see 
how everything shakes out. Obviously, if you go into the combine and you play well in those five-on-five games, you know, you're knocking down your threes. Good things are going to happen from there because he has the attitude. He's somebody who fits in at that level. You know, he's already in all those circles. You know, he's working with, uh, you know, I've I've heard stories about him playing with uh, uh, Monte Morris, playing one-on-one with him. Um, and beating him just as somebody who is an example. And that's, I don't know, basketball is a weird, weird, weird world in that way, just because it's all so interconnected. Um, it's different than football. You know, I don't think that like Visco, when he was in Boulder was spending a lot of time with NFL guys, you know, you, you have Von Miller and like they met because of the like DeSoto connection, but it isn't the same as just like hanging out with those guys, going to the gym and working with those guys. Like I guess there's some of that in the off season, but it isn't nearly to the level you see it in basketball. And and Kin is somebody who's in all of those circles, which again just just helps. Um, again, when you just look at at these numbers, you say, hey, he's he's sitting at he's about 15 spots outside of the draft. That means he's gonna be on a summer league team. Um, if he plays well in the summer league, then maybe he gets signed to a roster or more likely, more likely whether he gets drafted or not, he's going to wind up on a two-way contract. Um, and what the odds of a two-way contract are for Monte, I would say one in three at this point, maybe a little bit under that. Um, yeah, probably a little bit under that, especially cause now that I think about it, a lot of those two-way guys or second round guys, you can just send them straight to the G League now. So, I don't know. We'll see. And regardless of all of this, he's going to have a career in basketball. And that's something we've talked about a lot in the past on those post-game shows. Again, that's like the weird part of the offseason. It's like, dude, do we just repeat the same things? Like, all of you listening know my thoughts on the quarterbacks. Know my thoughts on the running backs. And it just kind of feels repetitive to go back through that stuff. But... Just to repeat it here, Kin is going to play basketball for a career. You know, he's going to make good money playing basketball, whether it's here or whether it's over in Europe. Um, it'd be great if it was here. It'd probably be more money if he was here. Um, but these next six weeks or so are going to decide a whole lot of that stuff. Um, anything else I want to get into here? Oh, I should say I was kind of surprised. Uh, yeah, I was kind of surprised to see that a couple of the complaints I found uh, were about the turnovers. Um, real quick, I do want to say that the reason we didn't get into more of those things is just because not many people wrote about Kin just because he was so far down the list. I was honestly surprised looking through because I did think that there would be people writing up the strengths and the weaknesses and you know the potential just because i was curious like sure let's let's say he is number 75 or whatever right now what kind of number 75 like i I know what i think of kin but i was kind of curious like is it is it because they don't think that he uh they don't think that he has a high enough ceiling or do they say ah the the bus potential is too big and i mean what you'd guess is you know, the, the floor is pretty high with Kin. 
Um, you know that he's not just going to embarrass himself. You know, he can go out there onto basically any basketball court, and he might not be, like, at the NBA level, uh, a plus player, but he's not just going to, you know, turn the ball over every time down the court, get exposed constantly. Uh, And I guess what you'd be concerned by is probably, like, what is the upside? You know, so, so Kin does pan out. What does that mean? Does that mean he's Chris Paul? Does that mean he's Dame? Like, I, I did want to see the comps and just just why exactly he fits into that spot because there's different ways you wind up at number 75. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there was, like, one place that had, like, a very short list of pros and cons. There was another place that just didn't seem credible at all, so I didn't want to repeat it. But by looking at a couple of those things, um, I did see that one of the complaints was turnovers. And more specifically, the I think they what they said is just being reckless with the ball. And there were definitely some bad plays, but I also think that, I mean, obviously the assist-to-turnover ratio speaks for itself. Um, that's, a, that's a very, very... It's, it's an obvious strength of his. It's a very obvious strength of his. You know, that is why you go after somebody like Ken at the same time. Like, I guess if you're that style of player, you know, you do want more, you know, I, I use the Monte Morris comparison earlier. One key difference is that Monte Morris, his sophomore season set the all time NCAA assist to turnover ratio record um, for a single season. And then in his junior season, he broke that. And then uh, the next season he broke it again. So Ken wasn't up, to that standard, um, but obviously nobody in history has been. Um, and, and so I guess maybe if he is that style of player, somebody who don't look to um, for too much scoring, which again, I, I, I did want to see more about, you know, he, he was good at getting to the rim and getting to the, the, the foul line as well. I don't know. I, I wanted to see national people write about Ken, I guess. And that's going to come. That's going to come during the combine when... You know, every day there's going to be a couple of different stories saying, here's today's standouts, here's who didn't play well, and there's going to be tweets all day. And I'm assuming that it's going to be on TV. I didn't double-check that. Um, But, of course, we'll be following along because it is the summer. Um, Let's take a quick break. First, want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, They do a bunch of awesome things. Obviously, like, it starts by making all of the things that I drink. You know, I was kind of wondering yesterday, what percentage of, like, the liquids I drink come from Breckenridge? Just, like, out of curiosity. Because I know it's not going to be, like, a crazy number, like, 20, 25%, obviously, because that would be, like, a quarter alcohol. But... I've been going through this phase where actually here's what happened. So I usually, I just drink out of like the cups I get from stadiums because it's super convenient because they're all massive. And so when I go somewhere, like I get the souvenir cup, not just like as a souvenir, like technically like as a souvenir, cause I want to bring it home with me and use it, but not like as like a, Oh, good memory. Like I'm not into that kind of stuff. Like I don't go somewhere and get like a shirt from that place. Just who I am but I do like the cups because they're just massive plastic cups and you can fit so much water in them you can use them for days well 
a lot of them just kind of disappeared in the move or, or something happened because we're down to just a few. Part of the reason, I guess, is that we haven't been at stadiums all that much recently. But I, uh, I've i started using just like pint glasses like a normal like American person would. And it, it, it has caused me to drink less water because they're just smaller and it just feels like you fill them up constantly. And I, uh, I also like, I don't drink consistently throughout the day the way that I should. Instead, there's just various points throughout the day where I'll just like pound one of those massive stadium cups of water and then before bed, there's like an extra and then like go to the gym, like you do one before, one after. I wind up getting the right amount of water, but it all just comes in massive proportions, um, but very few of them. With these little tiny glasses, you really got to stay on top of it. Like all day, you've got to be drinking water because otherwise during the like the times where it's like, okay, time to time to drink water. I've hit that point in my day. You've got to refill. Like you, you go, you like fill it up. the The new apartment has like the the ice and the water in the refrigerator. Love that. Really love that. Um, that's neither here nor there. None of this is here nor there. But uh, the point is, I uh, you like go, you go to the fridge, you get the water, you bring the water back to the couch, you drink it. All of a sudden, all gone. Just minutes later all gone seconds later honestly and then usually i even go back and get another do the same thing and it's all gone again and all of a sudden i'm just sitting there with an empty glass of water whereas what i wanted was just to have some water around like to be so hydrated it's actually embarrassing when i go out to restaurants because that's how i like live my life is by binge drinking water throughout the day and you get there and like just like immediately the waiter waitress comes over pours some water and then by the time she comes back again it's empty and it's it's honestly embarrassing because people ask questions. It's like, oh, like, it's hot day out there today. Or like, you, you spend a lot of time at the gym. Like, walk here. Like, what's what's going on? And the answer is no. I just drink a lot of water right around dinner time, right around the middle of the day. Uh, I try to when I wake up. Absolutely do before bed. And and that's plenty of water when you're just drinking these massive amounts in, in, in every one of these very few times. But again, it just does not work with these little glasses. And honestly, I bet I, I never would have become this way if I didn't grow up with, like, the Broncos cups we brought home. Grizz cups always had a couple of those. I mean, it just... It's a thing that I'm going through, but the point is I haven't been drinking enough water recently, and because of these playoff runs that no longer are happening but were happening, it made me think, like, when it's every night I'm drinking Breckenridge drinks and I'm not drinking enough water, like, over the course of, like, that, I mean, really it was about two weeks where this water thing started happening because those the cups just disappeared, but... Over those two weeks, a very significant percentage of the the liquids I was consuming, Breckenridge. So it got me to thinking about that yesterday. Um, you're like 70% water. And if you only drink, like what if, what if it was like 20, 25%? Do you all of a sudden go from like 70% water to like 65 
and then you're like 5% seltzer? I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to have like a, a like scientist or somebody who does that kind of stuff on to talk about this. I need to be drinking more water, especially because it's been like 100 degrees every single day. What is it? It is 7.54 right now, and this cannot be right. Yeah. No, now it's 7.55. It is 93 degrees outside. 93 degrees outside at almost 8 o'clock, nearly 8 o'clock. It'll be at least 92 at 8 o'clock. I don't know. Need to be drinking more water. But um, Breckenridge Brewery, there's a reason why they're a percentage of my, like, composition. And uh, the reason is that they make really good drinks. And whether it's the seltzers, whether it's the beers, whether it's whatever, you just can't go wrong. On top of that, over the summer, they're donating 1% of all of their profits to the National Parks Conservation. Oh, see, I thought I could do this one without looking at the notes. Very wrong. National Parks Conservation something. Society? Wouldn't that make some sense? I bet society. Let's see. I'm pulling it up now. The National Parks Conservation Association. Okay, the NPCA. We'll remember that. Um, but yeah, 1%. So there you go. You're, you're doing so many good things like supporting a, a Colorado company, like treating yourself, and also helping the world. Also, need to give a shout out to our friends over at Solace Meds. Um, they're a new partner of ours, and... Uh, they have some awesome deals, uh, smoking hot deals. Uh, first of all, Solace has uh, four locations in Colorado. One's in Fort Collins, one's in Wheat Ridge, one off Broadway, one that is just blocks away on East Colfax from the DNVR bar. They are, uh, like I said, they're an awesome dispensary. They've got a bunch of deals, and in June... Here's here's some of them. 15% off all gold shelf concentrates, 20% off all wanted tinctures and tarts, 20% off all mountain select rosin and cartridges, 25% off all Blues Brothers joint packs, 25% off all Kana 1 to 1 to 1 gummies, 20% off all Keith Cola products, 25% off all Dixie products. Thought I could do it without a breath. Had like a little uh, half cheat breath there after the uh, Kana 1 to 1 to 1 gummies. Looks like we get to talk about them again on... Um Wait, is that it this week? Okay, well, next week we'll get to try again. See if I can do it all in one breath. Um, if you head to their Wheat Ridge location, you can get a free Solace Bar or King Cone when you mention the code as well. That code is DNVR20, and that'll get you 20% off. Um, and like I said, if you do the Wheat Ridge one, then you also get a free Solace Bar or King Cone. The way it works is like you can just go on the website and buy everything online and then just go and pick it up use that code dmvr20 get 20 percent off and that's like the the very last thing so first you get like your 15 percent off all gold self gold shelf concentrates uh 25 off all blues brothers joint packs you know all those things i said you get that plus at the end you get 20 percent off your entire purchase even like include it like you get to take all these discounts and combine them it's a really cool thing uh that dmvr20 code it is not like a one-time use thing you get to use that every single time you go to solace meds um and you'll be going a lot once you check them out uh you can go to that website solacemeds.com s-o-l-a-c-e meds.com and uh 
you know, pick out all the things that uh, you, you, you need or want or whatever. Um, again, use that code DMVR20. All right. Uh, that is it for that. Um, DraftKings pick of the week. That's what's up next. Um, we're going with the U.S. Open because obviously, you know, sports are dead now in Colorado. Uh, at least until what day is the bus first game? August 28th? Maybe it's the 27th. I should know that. It's one of those days. Well, wait. I know that on Friday, there were 84 days until the start of the season. So if anybody really cares, you can either uh, count from Friday until whatever day is that first day of the season. Or you can just Google it. Or like me, you can wait and uh, just know that it's a Friday at the end of August. Um, yeah, like I said, U.S. Open, the the golf tournament, it's a lot of fun. Um, I actually, where is this one? I feel like I should know this. It's going to be one of those things where you Google it and then it pops up and you're like, oh, of course it was winged foot or whatever. It is, no, last year's winged foot. For second, oh yeah, Tory Pines. That's why everybody's been talking about Tory Pines all week, and the PGA Instagram account's been hitting the or like showing the best shots from Tory Pines and PGA history. Um, and then they'll do like a different one. It's like only the the non uh, majors, and you know, there's only so many ways to theme golf highlights. You kind of got the players, you got the nationalities, but even that, you know, maybe some thin ice there. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, let's see. Here's my thing about the U.S. Open. Actually, it's not even my thing. It's just the way it works. It's always just like, it's hard. Like, typically, they like to make it really windy. I don't know a lot about Torrey Pines in particular. I mean, I've played it like a, a million times on video games. But being right on the ocean, I would guess that it would be incredibly windy. Again, sticking with the U.S. Open theme. Um, the rough is always just stupidly hard. And even even already this week, like, there are videos going around of golfers just, like, throwing their ball in the rough. Not, like, not like the, the, the deep stuff where it's like, yeah, you deserve for bad things to happen. You just missed the fairway. You just blew it to the left, whatever. No, it's not that. Like, 10 yards off the fairway, you just drop a ball, and it'll just disappear. It's pretty crazy. And again, that's a U.S. Open. That's why this is such a fun tournament to watch is because, I, I don't know. It's Golf is a rare sport where, like, yeah, there's a winner and a bunch of losers technically, but it isn't like other sports where it's like, okay, the what the Nets are playing, whoever the Nets are playing, the Bucks today. It's like, oh, well, the Nets won, the Bucks lost. Again, that would actually be a pretty good DraftKings pick of the week. But, um... It's different in that basically everybody loses. And I'm not meaning in terms of like you're either first or you're last. But I mean in terms of like the U.S. Open in particular, those golf courses just beat all the players up. And like half the field is, well, maybe not half is over par. I mean, yeah, half is over par probably. And every single golfer looks like a loser. And it's the one or two who are only like absolutely losing to this golf course like four or five times that that wind up winning um 
that to me is why the U.S. Open is so fun because it is just it's impossible. It's impossible. Um, so yeah, I, none of that was a pick. It was more of just how I feel about the U.S. Open. I feel really good about the U.S. Open. I am very excited to watch this entire tournament. Um, but the question is who to pick. Uh, let's just let's just kind of run through these these odds here. So so the favorite John Rom, he's plus a thousand to uh, win this tournament. Um, there there's plenty of reason to like him. Um, first of all, seems like a nice guy. Second, he had that six shot lead. What was that? Was that two weeks ago? Uh, when, uh, he was disqualified for COVID. I guess he's moved on past that since he's playing in this. Um, and the point is he's playing really good golf. Bryson, actually three, three golfers tied at plus 1400. You got Bryson, you've got Dustin Johnson, you've got Xander Shoffley out of that group. I really, really, really do not like Bryson. Not as a person. Well, actually, also, I don't really like him as a person, but that's not the point. The point is, when you play the way he plays, hitting the ball as hard as you can, you the, the idea is that, yeah, when you swing really hard, there are going to be some misses. But when you don't miss very often and you're swinging this hard, most of the time, you're just going to be way past everybody down the fairway. The thing is that the U.S. Open, those misses are basically counting as double just because things can get so ugly um, because that's the nature of this tournament. That's the point of this tournament. Um, so I'm not going Bryson. Uh, those other two, I mean, DJ is kind of tempting. Shoffley also tempting because their games just fit this a little bit better, a little bit more precise, but also have the distance. I mean, how long is this golf course going to play? Torrey Pines golf course do we have a distance right off the top here uh does not look like it um what about right here well damn seems like it's a long course but i legitimately cannot find this distance. oh well um moving along kepka plus 1800 Spieth also at plus eighteen hundred. These are these are these are tricky. Again, if Colin could just get that driver in check, you know what? Here's what we're gonna do. So, I found a stat while I was trying to figure out how long this course is. Don't know how long the course is still, but did find this. Each of the last five winners of the U.S. Open, Brooks Koepka was in there twice, Dustin Johnson, Gary Woodland, Bryson DeChambeau, they're some of the longest hitters in the game. This is, uh, again, a long course. I don't know exactly how long. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take... We're going to take Rory McIlroy, plus 2,000, to win the tournament. He's one of the longest hitters. I think he's I think he's like top five maybe right now. He also has obviously like been through this sort of thing before. You like in the majors taking somebody who's experienced, somebody, you know, as much as I like uh, you know, Victor Hovland, 
he does have like one where he was in there close now i think but 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 the point is rory's somebody who you can kind of trust sure there's like the blow up rounds and all that he has been playing the best golf recently but again that's why you're getting one of the best golfers alive at plus 2000 to win this tournament um he seems like he can fight through the bad stretches and that's again one of the differences with the u.s open versus the others everybody is losing to the golf course at some point question is just how you get through it and how often it happens whereas a lot of these golf courses it's like okay who can get to 25 under you know and and if you can get to 20 i guess 20 is almost always going to win but but this isn't one where it's just set up for players to just try to play perfectly all the way through and whoever plays the most perfectly is going to win everybody's going to be going through ugly patches. And I think that that's part of the reason even, even like a Jordan Spieth feels like a good bet because he's somebody who goes through those rough patches and you know, it feels like every round is either going to be like a, a 65 or a 73. And that isn't at all what winds up happening, but that's the kind of golfer he is. And I think that you can get away with some of those rough spots, especially if you're kind of accustomed to, to playing through rough spots, even in some of those other tournaments where everything's open and green and it's easy to get out of the rough and, you know, all, all you know, just easier courses. Um, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to take Rory McIlroy. That's going to be our pre-tournament bet. You know, sometimes I like to get somebody with a little bit longer odds, you know, even like a, a Phil Mickelson plus 6,600. It's tempting. It's tempting just because the hots are so bad. Gary Woodland right there too. Um, yeah, but I, I do think that just going after that Rory plus 2000 and then doing the same thing you always do or that I always do, which is basically you, you take another golfer every day. So like today or tomorrow, Tuesday or Wednesday, you, you take uh, one guy to win it. And then Thursday – after the round, usually during the round, whenever you get a good vibe, you take another to win. And then you, you again, like you, you have some ideas. It doesn't matter. Well, let's move forward. Uh, Friday, you get another. Saturday, you get another. Sunday, you get another. And by doing that, you have obviously five horses in the race out of the. I wonder how big this field is. It's. It feels like it's. It's massive um u.s open field size let's see what has to say but yeah and then the the key though is that like on sunday there's typically only three or four guys who have a real shot of winning and so you pick one of them and if you you hit on one already then you say okay well i've got this guy who's two shots back i think he has a, a good i mean uh, he has a chance to go win it and if he does because we got him earlier on probably going to be a pretty big payday. Maybe we just take the guy who's leading to to win and that way it's kind of a hedge and then you got two horses in the race and the payday isn't quite as big but you know if if it hits it hits and it just helps you out a little bit. So that, that's always my strategy um when it comes to this stuff. Oh, length looks like 7700 yards. 7698. There we go. Was not even trying to find that this time um let's see last year's field was 144 so again you get one of these first three guys you know somebody before the weekend to win the tournament you're going to be getting good odds um wow 
That was a long DraftKings pick of the week. Did not plan for that to happen, but uh, here we are. I'll uh, be back with some more buff stuff tomorrow. I'm trying to figure out what the plan is um, exactly for tomorrow. But uh, you guys will hear all about it when you listen to the podcast tomorrow. And I'll uh, see you then.